for Conduit, for what you're doing here and what you're doing in us. Thank you for worship. Thank you for your spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Good morning, Conduit. That's a lot of energy coming out of a worship like that, huh? It's so good to see you this morning. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. It is the privilege of my life to love and pray for you. And I just want to welcome you to Conduit Church. If this is one of your first Sundays, we'd love to connect with you. There is a connection card in front of your seat. All you have to do is get a pen and put your name on it. Give me your cell phone number so I can text you. Take it to the connection desk out in the commons and then we'll give you a gift. It's really that simple. Actually, we just wanna to get to know you. We wanna answer any questions you might have about the church. And most importantly, we wanna pray for you. Because prayer changes things, amen? It really does. Like we have a language that our Father, the God who created the universe, hears. We don't pray into deaf ears, he hears us. And so what I love is we actually have a prayer team. It's called Conduit Praise. And they meet before and after every service. If you come in here with a broken heart or you've got something going on, I know nobody does, but if you have something going on, they'll pray with you. And they're praying all week to get ready to pray. Now think about that. They're praying all week just to pray. And they want to pray with you. And so I want to encourage you, please don't leave here carrying what you carried in. You understand? Please don't leave here the way that you came in. Prayer can change that. And so make sure you come see them. You'll see a sign on their shirt that says, I'm Conduit Praise. I was going to say it says I'm here to help. That's the other side. But it says Conduit Praise, and you can come up and get prayer with them anytime you want. So if you've noticed, um, the Bible says to pray without ceasing, right? Well, uh, that's pretty tough to do. But you know what, what else doesn't cease? is the parking lot, okay? Every Sunday morning, it, the cars just come in. Like, it is a fish and loaves thing. Like, I don't know how all these cars are gonna fit in this tiny little lot, but somehow that we have a volunteer team out there that parks the cars. And we have a volunteer team in here that parks the butts. So we've got, we've got people all over this church doing things, lighting the candles, putting the flowers out, filling up the, uh, the, the grape juice. It is grape juice. Filling, you know, making coffee. Even though it's not pumpkin spice, it's still coffee. So we've got people all over the place doing all sorts of things to make it work. Not to forget our conduit littles who are taking care of our kids. They're loving on our children. And so I wanted to just... Be honest with you, okay? Is that fine? We need some help. We need some help. We really do. And so, I, uh, if you want to sign up to help, we'd love to have you serve. We'd love to have you serve. We believe people come alive when they serve. And so, we have this card. You can fill that out and bring it up to the connection desk. You can also go on the Church Center app and you can sign up to serve there. Darren? Right? So I just got back from Wyoming, a little week in the mountains with some guys, and Eric was one of the leaders and pastors with me, and Joel, our youth pastor, said that Eric wakes up every morning like that. <laughs> Joel said he'd get up, he's trying to be so quiet not to wake Eric up in the same room, and Eric would shoot up like a mummy. <laughs> Where are we going? What are we going to do? Where are we going? What are we, we going <laughs> to He drank deep from the Wyoming, Wyoming mountains this week. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we had a really beautiful time, man, with leaders from our church, leaders from other churches. I don't know if you know this. Uh, by the way, I'm super blessed, honestly. Uh, y'all are, have been such a blessing to me and my family, but not every pastor has the, the fortune that I have to pastor this awesome, ragtag, scrappy, nimble bunch of Jesus lovers. So there's pastors that are under attack out there. So to get some pastors who are under attack and just get them out in the woods away from all the drama and the tweets and the nonsense and just let them just be men for a week, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in their lives. And so that's just what we experienced this last week. And while I was out there, I was able to rest because I knew that my buddy Fouad Masri was going to be with us this morning. Fouad started an organization 30 years ago. We're celebrating the 30th year anniversary of the Crescent Project. You see, 600 years after Jesus ascended, a guy named Muhammad has this dream that he thinks is a demonic dream, but his wife says, no, 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 we can probably make some money on this. We should start a religion. And Islam is born. Today, two billion people around the world are trapped in a cult called Islam. And I say cult not lightly because in this cult of Islam, it was the idea that, hey, the Bible was the best that they understood at the time, but now I have this new revelation and I know something better now. And in that, it's trapped them into religion. It's trapped, if you've traveled at all globally or even in your own neighborhood, someone who is a, a, a devout follower of, of Allah, of Muhammad, they live in fear every day of their lives. They live in fear because at the end of their life, if there's just one more bad work than good work, then they are damned to hell forever. And Jesus came to do away with all of that. And so Fouad has spent the last 30 years of his life training Jesus people like us to reach Muslims in our, around the world, but in our neighborhoods as well. As much as some people get frustrated with immigration, Jesus said to go into all the nations, and what is happening right now is that Jesus is bringing all the nations right into your neighborhood. You can take a mission trip just by going down to the amenity center at your neighborhood. You can take a mission trip just by opening up your door and you're having a little cookout in your backyard. That's what Fouad has been here to teach us, and he's got a book that came. When I knew it was coming out, I'm like, I knew I had to have him on this day because this is a brand new book. And today... Uh, he's got them in the back. Now, look, they're $30. Now, you can wince, okay? But $20 is going to plant, each book for $20 of that is going to plant churches in Muslim countries. So you can go buy it for cheaper at Amazon, and you can donate to Jeff Bezos' bicep protein budget. <laughs> you know that HGT? That's expensive, man. So we can donate to that, the kingdom of Bezos, or we could donate to the kingdom of God. So Fouad's going to be out. These are all signed copies. These are brand new, hot off the presses. You're going to be the first people in America to be able to get these books today. Uh, and if you, Fouad will be waiting out back afterwards, and you can take one home with you today. So would you welcome Fouad Masri? Thanks, Darren. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. It's exciting to worship in a church that loves Jesus, that loves their neighbors, that loves people across the street. What a, what a privilege today to pray for the country of Haiti. You know, many times people say, oh, you're just praying. God changes things. In the middle of the civil war of Lebanon, God protected us. God changed us. When we sang the song Hallelujah, I started crying. Thanks, Jason. Because the way we sang it after I became a believer in Jesus, there would be sounds of bombs. The whizzing, 
But we knew that God's hand is there. God will provide. God will protect. God will change all things for the gospel. I want to uh, share with you a little bit my testimony uh, between the first service and second service. Some people shook my hand and said, hey, we never heard how you became a believer. Love to share some of that. But this is the city I grew up in. I grew up three blocks from the seashore. Uh, Lebanon is a beautiful country. If you can see the mountains, there's snow on the mountains because they go up to 10,000 feet above sea level. We have no deserts in Lebanon and no camels. The only camels are for Americans to make a dollar from you. <laughs> my mom is Syrian and my dad is Lebanese. So I said that, and I was in California about 10 days ago. I said that in California and they said, were you a hostage all your life? You can say that. I came to America as an international student, went back to Lebanon came back again for my master's, went back to Lebanon, and then 30 years ago, we started the ministry to share the gospel with Muslims because God called us to show love to our Muslim neighbor. And I'll share a little bit on what is the goal of sharing Jesus today, why we do what we do. And what I'd like to also share with you that many times we hear from the news what is the negative, what is the devil doing. But I hope today you see and hear what God is doing that is not reported in the news. Now, Lebanon is in the inset there. Lebanon is a small country. It's the size of Connecticut. I can drive from Beirut, Lebanon to Damascus, Syria in an hour and a half. Uh, when I moved to America, I drove 20 hours and I was still in the state of Texas. <laughs> so I was a teenager when the war started and uh, my grandfather had become a believer. He ran away from the Ottomans, got saved in 1914 in Toledo, came back and started sharing the gospel with his family. So I, my parents were believers when I uh, was born, but during the civil war, I, my, my heart was hard. My classmates were about 45 in class. They we split. There was a, a civil war is very bad because, you know, friend is killing a friend, a brother killing a brother, a cousin killing a cousin. Uh, and then the civil war will move. Like you'll be sitting let's say, in, in, at home, and suddenly there are tanks passing, and they're bombing. And then two days later, the other group comes, and so you don't know who's winning, who's losing. Uh, and it was like, a, like a, a horror movie. I mean, we walk on the street after the bombing, you see a head, you see an arm. Uh, the, the worst time in, in this war was when they started doing the car bombs. You know, you hear about a car bomb in the news, it's like two words, car bomb. But what they would do, they would take maybe a Cadillac, a Peugeot, a, you know, even a Buick, and they take the upholstery out and they put dynamite. And then they cover it and they will add bags of nails so that when it explodes, there are more things flying. And then they put a timer. The timer could be seven in the morning, five in the afternoon, 12 noon. We don't know what they decide. And then they park the car maybe in front of a church or a mosque, or a school, or an elementary school. It is really a, a very vicious. So one, one year, 180, 180 kids died between in a bombing on school buses. They shot on school buses, 180 kids, ages between seven and nine. So it was a very dark time for me, and my heart was filled with hate. And I started hating people because they believed different or they had a religious background different or political background different. My cousins fought in the Golan Heights. So, you know, growing up there, well, the Israelis are our enemies. You know, we don't want to love our enemies. But then during the Civil War, my best friend, Walid, at age 18, he was killed walking by the seashore right there, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, smoking a cigarette, and he was killed by the Palestinians. 
And my heart was even getting harder. I said, the only solution for the Middle East is to take Israelis and Palestinians to a desert like Arizona. Let them fight there, and whoever wins, give him the peace of land. And my heart was so, so hateful that I chose not to believe in God. I said, if God exists, then God is a bad God. I don't want to believe in him. But during the war, a friend of mine, see how God works, a friend of mine said to me, Fouad, what happens if you die? Uh, I said, well, <clears throat> I don't believe there is God. He said, but it's too late then. If God does exist, everybody will die. So if God does exist, it's too late. So I decided to become an agnostic. Is that a nice word? I don't know. Is there a heaven? I don't know. But God did not leave me there. He kept pursuing me, and I started studying different religions. And what hit me that Jesus is different than anyone else. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. And, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is that many times we think that education will help. And usually in the United States, when there's a problem, we just throw more money at it, thinking that money will solve the issue. You can't change the mind of a person. You cannot change the heart of a person. Person. You cannot change the value system of a person. You cannot release a person from sin unless the Savior Jesus is there because Jesus changes from inside out, the heart to the outside. And I remember reading about Christ, seeing his teachings, and saying to myself, okay, Jesus is a great guy. I think what he said is true, but Jesus was out there. He was the Savior. He wasn't my Savior. We had family friends. They had four kids. They were eating dinner. And uh, the youngest was two-year-old son, so he, was, he spilled milk. So the father grabbed the son, went to the bathroom to wash his hands. While he's there, a mortar shell, usually this big, came through the balcony door and killed wife and children. The man survived with his kid. He took a plastic bag, picked up the pieces, buried his whole family, wife and three kids, in one bag, and that was the trigger. That was the situation that moved the story about Jesus from the mind to the heart, from saying, yes, Jesus is the word of God become flesh. Jesus gave great teachings to become Jesus is my savior. He's my leader. I want to follow him, and God changed my heart. I started praying for Israeli people. I started praying for Palestinians. I started sharing the gospel. I was there in Beirut, Lebanon in August, and I went to the, to the mountains where I had a rock. It's a rock. I don't have a picture of it here, but it's a rock in the middle. You can see the cliff. I would sit there. I would say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that was the trajectory of my life. God said to me, you need to share the gospel with your friends, with your classmates, with Muslims. Nobody has shared the gospel with Muslims. And I went to the cedars of Lebanon. Yes, it is a real place. This is the cedars of Lebanon. It takes it 10 years to grow a meter, three, three feet. Look how big they are. And then the storms, uh, the cedar trees like storms because as they push them, they dig deeper. So they dig deeper, same height, straight down. So if they're one foot above ground, they go one foot straight down and one foot sideways. So sooner or later, they're hugging the roots of other trees and it was a great example. I went there, and we, we have teams every time. We, I lead the team to Lebanon. We go up there. But I went there and prayed for the Middle East. You are 10,000 feet above sea level. That's what I proposed for my wife. She said yes. <laughs> but there we used to pray. Pray for the north, for the south, for the east, for the west. Lord, send a revival among Muslims. And the reason I'm sharing this with you, this is a great depiction of what God is doing in the church. 
The cedar trees are in one forest. We are one church. The reason we prayed for Haiti because they are the same like us. We are one family. Our roots mixed together. And our prayers that the church will grow. This is a beautiful depiction of the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree. Now you know what that means. Damn no, we don't grow by ourselves. Jesus did not invite us personally to be saved. He invited us to join the community. So my wife and I love coming to Conduit. Now, basically, anytime you start something, an endeavor, we want to know the why. Why we do what we do. I was talking somewhere in Indiana, and a gentleman came up and said to me, Fouad, why do you want to share the gospel with Muslims? I was sharing the gospel with the Muslims, two guys I met at Starbucks, and he said, why do you want to tell me about Jesus? John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I said, Jesus told me to tell you. The verse starts, the thief comes and steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. See, Jesus is the Savior. The abundant life, it does not depend on the outside. The abundant life is something from within. You can experience the abundant life in war and in peace. In plenty and in, in uh, poverty, it's okay because Jesus has given you eternal life. Jesus is with you. See, uh, Philip uh, gets that. Philip met the Savior and he went to everywhere telling Nathaniel, telling Peter. Later we'll see he even told the Ethiopian eunuch. But the key here is that Christ is the Word of God become flesh. He's the Savior. When you give him your allegiance, when you take him as your Savior, when you decide to follow him, to obey him, he is the protector, he's the healer, he's the guide. He would change things for you. For me, change the trajectory of my life. God called me to tell everybody. So Crescent Project goal is to see every Muslim. Yes, we want to see every Muslim respond to the gospel. We know we're not the only one serving, we get that. But we're saying as a ministry, our why is Jesus came to give abundant life to everyone and our vision to see every Muslim respond to the gospel and be connected to a Christ follower. It is very important for us to know why this is a key. Philip tells Jesus, show us the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the, the answer of Christ is that he will change things. We always think it's somewhere outside. You know, let, let's, let's teach. Let's educate. Yeah, that helps. But Christ is the one who changed. If Christ changed you, you know what I'm talking about this morning. You know because God changed me. Christ's power changed me. If not, we would love for you not to leave this place without knowing Jesus as Savior. The other reason we do what we do is because Jesus told us the great commission. Therefore, Jesus stands says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I have a whole chapter on this verse in the new book because what's happening today is we're missing the point that Christ is the one who has all the authority. I've been in America long enough. Every election we panic. You know, people are like, who did you vote for? I'm, I'm, having, I'm having lunch, uh, sorry, dinner. A friend of mine having dinner here in Nashville, Tennessee, right there by Broadway. He asked me, who did you vote for last year? Uh, to, yeah, but last election. I was like, it doesn't matter what I vote for. I said, sir, 
We're talking about ministry first, by the way. We're not talking about parties. I said, sir, in America, I have the right to vote the wrong person. <laughs> right? That's your right. And then, you know, that's my vote. What's your vote? I don't care. But he's missing the point. The church is about the Great Commission. The church, the conduit is bringing prayer for Haiti. Why? Because it's about the Great Commission. Now, I'm not saying that to discuss how we're going to protect your country. I get that. Pray for your nation. Protect it. But the role of the church is to shine the light of Jesus. It, Jesus says, because he has all the authority, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. It's important to see that we are here to share that Christ can change lives. You know, I don't know if you're watching the news, they gave you 90 seconds on it, but Masa Amini was beaten up, was in a coma for two days, and died for one reason. Not for not wearing the hijab, for wearing the hijab not correctly. She had showed more hair. Imagine, imagine your daughter, 22-year-old, gets beaten up, dies after a two-day coma because she had the lipstick wrong. And they call them the fashion police. Oh, great. I hope they don't have a reality show on that. And it's so sad because the Shador and those uh, hijab, they're not mentioned in the Quran, by the way. The Quran has one verse about being modest. All this was borrowed from the Hadith. And then, for example, the Shador was the mullahs. The Iranians came up with it. Imagine men deciding on women how to dress. Okay, guys, tell your wife how to put her makeup tomorrow and see what happens. The burqa, the one the Afghans wear, the blue cover. That's, that's invented by the Afghan leadership. The Saudis, when they put the abaya and the hijab and the niqab, the niqab looks like, a, like the Lone Ranger mask. <laughs> Millions of women wear that. They're like a black blanket moving. There's no identity. You can't tell who they are. All because Islam teaches. One guy said on, on uh, Twitter, forgive me, I, I go on Twitter sometimes, yeah. Pray for me. And he said, you know, they are not against Islam, they are against the hijab. Really? Where is the hijab from? From the religion of Islam. And what I love about Jesus saying here, he said, go and disciple them. But he goes, teach them when they hear the teaching of Jesus. Love your neighbor. Be kind. Be merciful. Blessed are those it's amazing, it's so sad today. And the poor Iranian people, what do we get? 90 seconds on the situation, hundreds are dying. Hundreds are dying. And the struggle is, this is the spiritual injustice today. If you are born in any of these countries, 10 days ago I was in the state of California, we worked with a couple of churches all the way in Sacramento, uh, it was a nice church, Bayside community, another church in San Jose, California, worked with Total of 290 churches last year just reaching out to uh, Afghan refugees. It was a great time. I met an Afghan pastor there. But, you know, I, I like to listen to radio when I'm driving. And I got this talk show. And the person was talking about environmental justice. That's the buzzword today, justice, you know. Uh, and I think what they mean by justice means being fair. Okay? So he's talking about giving back oxygen to the environment. And I think God already answered that. It's called photosynthesis, right? Once you plant trees, it works, right? So maybe California needs more trees. But he's talking about justice and how we are connected to the environment. But this is the biggest injustice. If you are born in any of these countries, the chances of you seeing a page of the Bible is zero. Today, it's the 21st century. There are people who've never heard the message of Christ, never heard the name of Jesus. This is my personal Bible. It's my personal Arabic Bible. It's illegal. It's banned. 
in Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman, Iran, Afghanistan. People can be born, grow up, get married, and die, and never know that Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. And on top of that, they have false information. I love Morocco. I've been to Morocco four times. Great country. People are very open. But I remember on this train from Marrakesh, uh, to Cas- uh, from Casablanca to Marrakesh. So I'm sitting, and the guy sitting next to me, he said, uh, do you speak Arabic? I said, yes. Um, he said, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm here from the United States of America. He goes, America? I said, yeah, America. He goes, America is a bad country. I said, America is a bad country. Have you been there? He goes, no, but Americans are illiterate, uneducated, and a bunch of cow herders. I think he meant cowboys. <laughs> and I said to him, how do you get your information? He said, I watch the news. I watch, I watch television. I watch YouTube. And the sad part is he has no idea what we believe. We don't that's not any idea what we believe. Most Muslims today are taught that Christians worship three gods. That's why our faith is wrong. And then when you ask them what three gods, because immediately we think they're talking about God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. No, they're talking about God, Mary, and baby Jesus. Because they falsely accuse us that we believe that there was a sexual act, which is an insult to all the Christians today. They teach them that the Bible has been changed, which doesn't make sense. If God sends the Bible, God should keep it. If it's not from God, it's okay. We'll change our religion tomorrow. And they, then they point to the media and the movies and they say, this is how Christians live. And that's not true. A friend of mine from Saudi Arabia was hosted by a Christian family. Two years later, he was hosted by another family. They were not believers. They were practicing, but they were American. He thought all Americans were the same. So during his living with the second family, he met the first one. He goes, met the father. He says, can you tell me why are you different? Why you guys pray before you, your meal? Why you pray for me? What's different? They shared the gospel with him. He's now a believer in following Jesus. But it takes this interaction with people. They don't know what we believe. They don't know what we believe. This is a verse that I want us to share with to know what God is doing today. The reason we said sharing Jesus, because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth of life. It's very important for me. It's very important for our church. It's very important for our ministry. It's even a highlight in the book. We are sharing Jesus. We're not sharing a club. But what about today? What is God doing today? In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it's beautiful. A beautiful verse, and I was visiting Athens, Greece this summer. Where, uh, we, we met with five different agencies to working with refugees. I could love, I wish I had two hours to tell you what God is doing there too. But I walked up to the Acropolis and where he spoke, the area where uh, Paul spoke. So he says, Paul was talking to Ephesians, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27, my professor, Dr. Kenneth Bailey, used to say, do not read the Bible too fast. Verse 27, God did this. God did this so that they, who, who's they? The people. They would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. My brother, my sister, when you watch the news, you're watching what the devil is doing, but God is using all that. 
the riots now in Iran. God is awakening the Persians. It's time for change. We need something different. We need something different. My friend uh, Farid, he was in Istanbul, gave up 5,000 Persian New Testaments this summer. And one Persian told him, well, Islam came last and we hate it. Why do you want to give us a new religion? And Farid said, no, no, no. I'm not giving you religion. Jesus wants a relationship. When he said that, he said, I want to take the Bible. My brother and my sister, God is moving. This is how people are coming. Whether it's civil war or famine, God is moving them because we're not going. Everybody says, I don't want to go. You know, one pastor said to me, you know, I don't believe Muslims deserve the gospel. What? How can you say that? Who deserves the gospel? What? Because I have a jacket? You know, is that who deserves the gospel? Nobody deserves the gospel. It's by grace. You know, another guy, another one in California. I shared that in the first service. I love this country. Forgive me. I've been here too long. And my wife says, I need a break. The guy says to me, uh, is the environment conducive for sharing the gospel? You know, right now, people on Twitter and Facebook. What? what, what, what? Is the environment conducive when Philip and Paul and all these people, the disciples, went about and said, Jesus is the only way? Was it conducive when Jesus told Pilate, you did not have authority over me unless it was given from above? And Pilate was like, hey, I got power. I can release you or not. It, it's always conducive because people are hurting. Now, this is another map shows you. Each red dot represents a mosque in this nation. And praise God, we've had pastors now joining our effort to see every imam in this country have one Christian friend. Wouldn't it be great? One every imam. So please pray that we get all 3,000 mosques. But even in America, Muslims don't get invited to a Christian home. They don't get invited to a Christian home. Why not? Why not? A friend of mine is a invited his neighbor. His neighbor is a businessman from Turkey. While they're sitting there talking, the guy said to him, you know, I've always had this question. Why do Christians eat bread and fish every morning, every Sunday? And the guy said, no, no, it's bread and the juice. He said, no, I, I was told that you eat bread and fish every Sunday. So the American said to the Turkish person, why, why are you asking that question? Like, what, who told you? He said, well, I was 12 years old. Now this man is in his 40s. When I was 12 years old, I went to a church in Istanbul, and the church had paintings about the life of Christ, but one of them, Jesus was holding a basket of bread and a basket of fish. So I thought that's what you do every Sunday. Imagine, he's never read the Bible. He's never told you about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. I was on the campus of IU uh, speaking to college students, and after this, the, they, I spoke, the students come talk to me, and this Senegali girl, sweet Senegali girl, comes up to me and says, Father, I don't want to follow Christian faith because Christians worship three gods. And I said, oh, I thought we only worship one god. She goes, no, you know. I said, no, what? She goes, yeah, you worship God the Father, Mary the Mother, and Jesus the baby. I'm like, no, wait, 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 no, no, no. There, there was no sexual act. We believe that God did the miracle. And she goes, yeah, I believe there was a miracle. I said, in the Quran, it calls Jesus the son of Mary, which is nice, but Mary did not do the miracle. God did the miracle. So we say Jesus, son of God, to give glory to God and to show that Christ is the word of God who became flesh, to, give, to say that Christ is the incarnation. And she looks at me and she goes, well, I believe in that too. While I'm talking to her, the, the, another person gave a Bible in English. She uh, asked her, would you like to take a Bible in English? And she said, no, I don't want a Bible. Suddenly behind me, there was an Iranian lady listening. She said, I will take the Bible. 
The moment the Iranian lady took the Bible, the Senegali girl said, hey, I'll take a Bible. See, they had wrong questions. They had wrong view of us. They thought we are pagans. We're not pagans. Even the story in the Quran, which is very similar, not exact, they, they make a mistake. They say Jesus was born under palm tree. There's no manger, there's no angels. But uh, because like Pastor Darren said, it's all collected later. It's not collected from the days of Christ. So they mimic or they borrow. But this is the struggle. They are here and they never hear the gospel. One of the sad things even today, that we look at, the, at our neighbors and we avoid them. We avoid them and you, we cannot do that. You know, even if they don't think like us, it doesn't matter what's their background. We have a need for the spiritual injustice to go away. It is not fair that people today have never heard the gospel while others have heard it more than once. So Acts 17 says that to us. Now they're coming to here. And what I like about that their presence here, if we don't go, they came. Uh, When we lived in Indiana, we had a basset hound, um, a dog, basset hound, and I think uh, she was a pig disguised as a basset hound. That dog was fast. So one day we decided to do prayer walking. You know, it's good to come to prayer here, but I'll challenge you to do prayer walking. If you have a puppy, whatever, just tie it. If not, you and your family, just walk and see what God does. So we prayed. We got out of the house. Our neighbors, beautiful couple, Jamaican, married to a Tanzanian. I've never been in either country. <laughs> five houses, hounds, five houses down, Vietnamese couple. What a great time talking to them. Seven houses down, a Lebanese couple. We're talking. The wife told me where she grew up, her high school was wall to wall with my high school. We did not meet in Beirut, we met in Indianapolis, Indiana. There are people in your neighborhood. Just walk down the street and pray, let God move. You can do this, you can reach out, you can take a step. You know, in the Bible, I was doing a study on Philip's in Acts chapter eight. It's beautiful. Philip goes to the Samaria, Samaria, starts sharing the gospel. He's so excited about Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit tells him to go to Gaza. And while in Gaza, he sees a carriage. On the carriage is an Ethiopian, okay? You can tell the difference, okay? When you're in Malaysia, you can tell. The Ethiopian people are very beautiful people. They are also African-looking, so everybody can tell in the Middle East that they're from Africa. Now, he was royalty. He was royalty, he had a carriage. Now the carriage was not going up and down, it was, you know, slowly, right? He has the long trip, okay? And he, he was royalty while Philip was looked upon as a fisherman. And uh, if you study history, you find out that the Ethiopian uh, empire and civilization is very old. It's older than Europeans. So the Holy Spirit told him, get close to the carriage. There's no reason for Philip to get close to the carriage because there are guards around this man. They can strike him. That the person is from different culture. They maybe don't speak the same language. But it says that by faith, Philip came closer because he obeyed the Holy Spirit and he heard the Ethiopian, what? Reading Isaiah. And so Philip said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no. How can I understand if no one explains? Wow, how easy does it get? So Philip gets in the carriage, explain that the Lamb of God in Isaiah 53 is Jesus, the Messiah, who died and rose from the dead. 
and I love the text. <laughs> they get to a place where there's water, and if the Ethiopian says, here is water, what forbids me to be baptized? And Philip says, if you believe the oil of the heart, he says, yes, and he baptizes him. And then the Ethiopian takes the gospel to Ethiopia. Philip goes back to Samaria. The reason I'm sharing this with this story is that from scripture we find that many times God's already ahead of us. Ahead of us. Many times people say, well, I don't know. I don't know how to talk to them. I don't want to offend them. I was in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I was in an elevator and I saw the lot of Pakistanis there and I said to the guy, hey, do you talk to your Pakistani neighbors? He goes, no. Uh, they cook with cabbage and garlic and you know, it smells. I'm like, what? What's wrong with garlic? <laughs> Lebanese brush their teeth with garlic. What, what, what? You know, is that the problem? Is the problem that their food is different? And then we're always so worried that we're going to offend. How are you going to offend somebody if you're being kind to them? How do you offend somebody invited to your home? How are you going to offend somebody when you share with them that Jesus changed your heart? I always like to share stories all the time how God moves when even a word from you. God uses that. It, it, that Philip did not understand the Ethiopian culture. Philip did not understand the Ethiopian language. All that Philip was, he knew that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That's all he was offering. What we're offering is to know Jesus, Savior and Lord. So we should not be afraid. We should never be afraid. One of our team members, she had a, a refugee from a Muslim background. Every time she calls on the phone, the lady is so upset. She goes, why did you call me now? I don't want to talk to you. They're helping them. Second time, third time, she called her and says, I want to come right now. So she drove to the house, sat down. She goes, every time you call me, I'm sorry I was mean, but it was the, the morning of when I had a dream of Jesus the night before. And it made me mad why I did not have a dream of Muhammad. Why did not have a dream of something else? Why did I dream of Jesus? And then you always call me the next day. God already was there before our team members. Many times we think, oh, I have to have all the answers. You don't. You don't necessarily have all the answers. I'm watching the time, but so many stories. You know, a, a gentleman on the web connected with our uh, uh, embassy outreach. We have an outreach last year, last year alone, 41,000 hours of speaking with Muslims on the web. Maybe you want to join that, great. That's a great way you can do it from, from your own home. Maybe you want to join another ministry, but the web is an amazing way to talk to people. And he had a doctor, doctor from Uzbekistan, come online and say, hey, I want to get baptized. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, do you know what that means? And they started cheering, and the person becomes a believer and gets baptized. Ali, a medical student, his classmate shares with him the good news. Imam Hassan, Imam Hassan, a Shia Imam, is traveling in the United States visiting friends. He's at his Starbucks having coffee, reading, and somebody next to him said to him, Salaam Alaikum, where are you from, brother? He says, oh, I'm from this country. They start talking. He's sitting in that country, in that state for about 10 days. They start reading the Bible every day, and the imam becomes a believer. He's a great guy. I've met him personally. Many times you are always worried that God is not there, but God is already there. He beats you. One of my favorite stories, I'm sitting on a flight to, I was coming to Dallas, Texas from London and then connecting. So I'm over the Atlantic and this gentleman sat next to me. He looked like, you know, from India. So I said, how are you, brother? Found out he was Pakistani. He's from Pakistan. He's an engineer, PhD in engineering. So we started talking and, you know, 
watching a movie and talking, you know, it's a long flight. Then he said to me, uh, what do you do? I said, well, I'm an evangelical minister. I'm a Christian minister. He goes, oh, I'm coming back from Pakistan. I was so tired how much politics are in the mosque. I bought a Bible, English Bible. He pulled it. He showed me an English Bible. He's reading. He goes, I lived in America 30 years. I love this country. Nobody hurt me for my religion. I want to know more about Jesus. I, it was great. We had a wonderful conversation. Talk about what is faith, what, how we know the Bible is not corrupted. My brother and my sister, God is moving. When should we share the gospel? Now. Now. A woman invited two Afghan ladies and she showed them the movie Jesus. And well, uh, the Jesus film, maybe some of you have seen it. It's a beautiful kind of depiction of the book of Luke. But at the end, the two ladies with their scarf started crying. And the American lady said to them, are you crying because Jesus hung on the cross? They said, no. We're crying because he rose from the dead and no one told us. See, the, 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 uh, the Quran mentions Muhammad four times and there are 91 verses in the Quran on Jesus. Now, not all of them the same like Bible, but people hear the name of Jesus, but they know what he did. They say he did miracles. We don't know. We don't know even how, he, how his life ended when you study the Quran. And they were shocked that Jesus rose from the dead, defeating Satan and death and sin. Now is the time to share with people. I want to end with this verse and we'll, we'll pray together. Um, Revelation 7, 9. The Bible says, remember, don't read too fast. After this, I looked and what? There before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Yes, 30 years ago we started Crescent Project. Our first training we had four people. <laughs> and a friend of mine in the first hour I shared took me to Starbucks. I told him I go if you pay. My wife calls it four bucks. And I'm drinking my coffee. He says you need to close Crescent Project because you only had four people. God can save Muslims without your help. God is faithful, guys. Last, last month, our executive director, Steve Helm, told me we broke 400,000 people trained. That's at least 1.8 million Muslims hear the gospel. That's just our training. Now, we do outreach online. We do face-to-face -face outreach, and we do church planning. So there's more, but I love the training part because you can reach more people indirectly as you share with people. God is faithful. So during that first year when I moved to America, still learning English because Americans don't speak English, they speak American. <laughs> A gentleman, older gentleman walks in my office. I had hair then. And our culture, you respect your older people. So he pulls this verse and he says, Fahad, I believe with this verse, but on judgment day, there'll be a representation from every tribe and every nation. So there'll be maybe 10 Pakistanis, five Baluchis, you know, maybe 10 Lebanese, maybe five Saudis. There's a representation. And I said to him, sir, I don't want to offend you. But the Bible says a great multitude. The Bible says a great multitude. How are they going to get there? You and I going to share with them. God can do it without us, but he chose that we come with him. He chose that we experience the joy. 
And my problem today is, do you believe that that's the goal? You know, for the football uh, people who watch here, you know, there's a goal, right? To win the game. Do you believe your team's going to win the game? He's telling us we will win the game, but we got to get involved. We got to play. We got to take a step. My, um, share with this story with you. I was, uh, my first year in America, I was in, in, in the state of Indiana, and my friend asked me, uh, what are you doing for Christmas? I said, oh, nothing. I'm staying here for Christmas. He says, well, you're spending Christmas at my house in Cleveland, Ohio. Biggest mistake in my life. <laughs> don't, go to, don't go to Cleveland Christmas time. <laughs> and my, you know, if it's not 80 degrees, I'm cold. I had my coat on, and my, my roommate takes me all the way to the edge of Lake Erie. And there's so much ice. You know, you've been there. Anybody been over Lake? Man, it's so cold. And I'm from Lebanon. I've never seen so much ice in my life. And he says to me that the Native Americans used to cross on the ice, so which means I can walk on the ice. Now, I couldn't believe him because you never see Lebanese on ice. But I, how much faith do I need to walk on the ice? How much faith? If the ice is thick, even it's little faith, I can walk. But if the ice is thin, even if I have a big faith, oh, I've skated last time, you will still sink. Jesus is inviting you for faith. This is what Jesus is inviting you. It's not how much faith you have. It's in whom do you believe Jesus can use you today? Do you believe that Jesus can use you to win a person to Christ? Maybe, as we're speaking, the Holy Spirit is reminding of someone Maybe from a Muslim background, maybe Hindu background, maybe just good old American background. And Jesus wants you to talk to them after this. Maybe you text them, Instagram them, whatever you want to do. Just say, hey, that relationship you're in, you need to break it up. Or maybe you just say, brother, you need Jesus. You you're, are in the grave. And like we sang, get out of the grave. So we stand and pray together. Abba Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to be born of the Virgin Mary. Live a perfect life. Give us great teachings. Die on the cross for redemption and raise from the dead for our justification. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us a passion to obey Christ and compassion for our neighbors. So Lord, we pray today a prayer of blessing. Bless our congregation. Bless our families. Bless us, Lord, with the new, renewed faith that we will cross the street and cross the ocean to tell everyone about you. And Lord, today we pray that you bless the country of Iran. Send the revival there. Thank you for those who already believe in you. And Lord, we pray that you bless Muslims with the true blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.